always uh, hate to see a series come to an end. I've enjoyed this study that I've called the Clarion Call, and uh, it's been a, been, been a study for me that I've enjoyed just going back and thinking about the fact that, you know, the truth nowadays has just been kind of thrown by the wayside. Uh, some people, as the Bible describes, are selling the truth. They're, uh, they don't understand the importance of truth. And uh, I, I think about those words that Jesus said in, in John 8. He says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Yeah, the truth shall set you or make you free, right? So, you know, you, you think about your life in Christ, you wouldn't be saved tonight if it wasn't for the truth. I, I'm glad that, that somebody shared the truth with me. And uh, when I think about the truth, I mentioned this many, many uh, Wednesday nights ago, that Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So even Jesus said of himself that he was the truth. So again, you see the importance. When we say the truth, we're even talking about the Lord. We're talking about having the Lord in our lives. Now, I've enjoyed the study for many different aspects, and we've covered a lot of various things. But about uh, probably four or five weeks ago, we got into the book of Daniel, and we're going to finish this study tonight as we come to the, the end of the book of Daniel. Not the end of the book, but the end of chapter number one. And I want you to, to think about this, because uh, as we live in this world today, we live in a time just like Daniel that was a time of change. There was a lot of things that changed in Daniel's day. How many of you have lived long enough to see some changes in this world. Some of us have seen more changes than others. And uh, sometimes I talk to some that are older than me, and, and, and it, honestly, I, I think about some of the things that they tell me about what it, what it was like when they were younger and the world that they grew up in. And then I think about the, the world even in my life and how much has changed and, and then when I think about Bible times, Daniel, and we've talked about how Daniel's whole life and those Hebrew children, their whole life changed because, uh, really because of the sin of God's people. And it, it was a time of change. And what I love about this, and this is what we got into, was the fact that, yes, there can be times of great change, but during those times, what happens is, is that God oftentimes will bring forth a triumphant champion, uh, somebody that will, that will hold the truth up, somebody that will hold the banner high. Uh, you know, it's real easy when things are against us, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that oftentimes when the tests come, instead of taking the right stand, a biblical stand for God, what we do is we kind of drop our guard, we kind of lower our standards, we kind of begin to compromise because, you know, it just seems like it's old-fashioned or nobody is going that way anymore, nobody believes that. Well, can I tell you that the truth, if the truth can be described even as Jesus, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? The truth is never outdated. The truth never changes. Now, you know what does change? This old world that we live in. Every day this world changes. And when I look at Daniel's life in this time period, it reminds me a lot of the, 
the day that we're living in, the day that I'm living in, look, nobody prays for chaos and confusion. Nobody. We don't want that in our lives. And in, in, in our lives as Christians, we, we would rather serve the Lord with as little or no obstacles as, as much as possible. In other words, we don't want there to be uh, obstacles in our lives. But listen, you know what the Bible says in, in the Word of God? It says this, iron sharpens what? Iron sharpens iron. See, God doesn't use... Uh, he doesn't sharpen iron with wood. He sharpens iron with iron. So when I, when I look at Daniel's life and many like him, God uses difficult times to shape us, to change us and fashion us like his servants. Look what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 48.10 there in your notes. Behold, God says, I have refined thee, not, but not with silver, I have chosen thee, read the rest of that verse out loud. Okay, everybody see where we're at? I have chosen thee, read it out loud. In the... So God says, look, I have chosen thee in the furnace of what? Affliction. I think we're all familiar with the word affliction. And many thoughts come to our mind, but most of them are not good thoughts. But remember, the Bible says here, God says, I've chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. In other words, when I look at that verse, here's the thought that I have is that God goes to the furnace of affliction to find those that he's going to use. I'm going to go to those that have been tested, that their lives have been put to the furnace of affliction. Those are the people that I want to use and Job was just like that. Job understood this timeless principle. Look what he writes here. He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as what? Job understood that principle. And Daniel, in the midst of a difficult time, notice first of all, Daniel exhibited a pleasing faith. Now again, faith is so important in our lives. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. But listen, I think a lot of times we, we live our lives by faith, but I wonder if it's a faith that honors God. See, God always honors and blesses faith. Look there in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 15, at this verse. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh, then all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Now, you remember, uh, the Bible talked about how that they were going to change their names and they were going to change what they wore and they were going to change their diet. They were going to change everything. In other words, they were trying to get them to, to totally be somebody different than who they really were. And I, again, I love the stand of Daniel and some other Hebrews that said, look, you can try to do this and try to do that, but, but we're not going to give in. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, nor with the portion of the king's meat. And so they took a stand for the Lord. Look, we can compromise when the pressure comes, but God will honor you if you will, by faith, trust him and obey his word. Look, I, I don't know if that's happened in your life yet. If you've been put to the test, if 
if, if somebody has said to you, hey, listen, why don't you do this? Do you give in or do you say, no, I can't do that because the Bible, I, I love the fact when my, my children, you know, a lot of times you think to yourself as you're raising your children for the Lord, you wonder to yourself, are they really getting it? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you parents, you're like, I, I really wonder if my, my child is learning some of these lessons that are biblical, that are standards that, that, that you find in the Word of God. And I remember as my children got into their teen years and even their early 20s, and they began to work jobs to pay their way through college. And as they were working jobs, they, they, a couple of my daughters were working in places, and, and as, as parents, we had certain standards that we had established for our children when they were under our authority. And, and again, we, we explained to our kids, it wasn't like it was a bunch of rules and you just had to do this as, as I know a lot of times when we were younger growing up, your parents, you'd ask them why you had to do something and, and they would say, because I said so. But what we try to do with our children was, if there was something we, we wanted to establish for our home, for their lives, we would show them from the Bible, this is why we, we do this. This is, in other words, it wasn't that we, it was a form of legalism. It wasn't uh, following a set of rules. There was, there was a biblical principle behind it. It was, it was again, understanding that, that Christians ought to live a certain way. So we explained that to our children, and we didn't beat, that over, beat them over the head with it, but we, 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 in our hearts, we wanted them to get it, not because mom and dad wanted them to do it, but because in their hearts, they knew it was right because that's what the Word of God teaches. Everybody understand what I just said? So, so our children would go off and they would start to work. And you always wonder about your children when they're out in the world. And I remember having, not one, not two, but I remember having some different conversations with our children. And they would come home. My, my daughter came home one day and she began to talk to me about how these, these ladies at work began to question her about uh, what she was wearing. And uh, she wasn't dressed like everybody else. And, and again, what you wear doesn't make you any more spiritual. But again, it was just a standard. It was a, it was a preference that, that we had established for our children. And these ladies asked my daughter. And I was so glad to hear that when my daughter told us what she told those ladies, she didn't say, because my mom and dad said I have to. She began to explain to them what the Bible teaches. And I thought, man, I, you have to know my chest just swelled out to about right there whenever she was doing that. Because, listen, it was, it was that she got it. She understood. And when I think about Daniel and those in his day, and I think about how that, look, just like us today, they were to live their lives by faith, to trust God and to obey God's word. And when we do that, look, God will honor you. For trusting him. And that's what God did with Daniel. Daniel had a faith that was pleasing to God. Look at Matthew 6, 33. I know you know the verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So again, it's putting God first. Let me ask you this question and I just rhetorically, you don't have to answer it, but how big is your God? Is your God able to meet your needs? Well, certainly the Bible tells us that he can. We know that he is able. David spoke of his own experience. Look at Psalm 37, verse 23. He writes, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, 
and he delighteth in his way, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Isn't that a blessing? To know that, look, God, God is not going to, to allow you to become one of his children and then abandon you. The Bible says, as David writes there, he says, though a person might fall, they won't be utterly cast down. Why? Because the Lord upholdeth them with his hand. God is holding you up today. How many of you are pretty physically spent right now? You know, I can tell by the look on some of your eyes. You know what got you into church tonight? God did. He's upholding you with his, with his hand. And I, I love this, how David had a faith that was pleasing to God. But notice that as we think about Daniel's pleasing faith, that led, watch this, if you have a faith that's pleasing to God, it's going to lead to the second point, it'll lead to a promoted favor. See, if we have a faith that pleased God, then you know what we're going to have in our lives? God's favor. Now, I love this because Daniel refused, and we know the story, we won't go back on it, but Daniel refused to, to compromise his convictions, and we know that convictions are, uh, are beliefs based on the Word of God. And so Daniel refused. He says, look, that's not what I've been taught, that's not what God's Word says. And Daniel says, look, I think I'm just going to trust God in this situation. David, Daniel did not uh, compromise, and so as a result of that, God doesn't just preserve Daniel. The truth is, God actually promoted Daniel. Look, look at this in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 16. Thus Melzer took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king, king command with, uh, communed with them, and among them was all was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters, not some, all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all of his realm. Boy, talk about a testimony, not only for these Hebrews, but for their God. Because, listen, because he did not compromise, God not only preserved them, but God promoted them for three years. We see that three years had gone by, and all four of these Hebrew slaves, you know what they had done for those three years? They had been faithful to God. Now think about it. They weren't in their own land. They were actually slaves. They were captives, but they trusted God with their lives. <coughs> many people had questioned their, their, their uh, commitment, and many people had wondered why in the world they would not compromise when it comes to their beliefs, their convictions. God didn't just keep them alive. He just didn't help them survive, but he, he also made them superlatives. They were not just better, they were 10 times better. 
it's a wonderful testimony that if we have a faith that is pleasing to God, then we'll have a favor that God will promote. That's exactly what they did. These, these four Hebrews, they didn't just graduate at the top of the class. I don't know if you remember these days. Some of you have probably been out of school longer than I have. Do you remember having uh, classes and there'd be, most of the time it was one student that did so well that they blew the curve when it come, came to what the, what the teacher was going to decide for the curve for the, for the whole test? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what these four Hebrews did. They blew the curve. They did so well with this test. Listen, they, they, they ruined the curve. God made them superlatives in every area of their preparation. They were better than everyone else. They were 10 times better than all of them. Hey, it reminds me of what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and he hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. See, Daniel... Listen, his life, his faith, he trusted God. His pleasing faith and his promoted favor, thirdly, led to a preserved finish. You think about the way Daniel finished his life. Look what it says in the last verse of chapter number one. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says this, Daniel continued even unto the first year of king who? Cyrus. Now, it doesn't say Nebuchadnezzar. You know what that means? Daniel outlived Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Daniel lived longer, even living a, a different diet, even trusting his God, even not giving in on his convictions. Daniel was a man that, that God continued his life. And at any time, look, Daniel's life could have been taken uh, when, when, they, when they went and conquered his land. His life could have been taken when he says, no, thank you. I'm not going to eat the king's portion. I mean, there are many times that Daniel's life could have ended, but Daniel stayed true to God. And as a result of that, what happened in his life? He triumphed. God gave him the victory. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, look at this verse, and I love 1 John 4, 4. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is where? In the world. And that here in this particular portion fits right along with King Nebuchadnezzar and all those that were with him. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Christ. You know what that means? God wasn't done with Daniel yet. God wasn't done with these Hebrew boys yet. And as a result of that, God preserved their lives. God began a work in them, and he was going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, when the world around us is calling for change, and certainly it is, and, and when we see that Satan is tempting us on every side to compromise, to change this and to change that, you know what God's looking for? God's looking for champions. God's, God, God's not interested in chameleons, somebody just to blend in with the culture. God wants somebody that understands what the truth is, how important the truth is. That no matter how difficult it may seem, that they're going to stand for what is right. God doesn't want us to blend in. He's looking for those that, like David, will pass the test. Remember, we studied this a couple weeks ago in Sunday school, how David was sent out 
to the battlefield in the, in the Valley of Elah. And David gets there and the army is not moving. They're paralyzed. The giant is there. And notice what it says in verse 47. The Bible says that he, these words, The Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is whose? The battle's the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. That battle wasn't about Goliath. Now, there's no doubt the test are going to come in life, and they come to every generation. The generations before me were tested. Generations after me will be tested. And not only when the tests come, but we see that many times there are going to be temptations that are going to be in our lives. And the temptation for many is, do I give in? Do I go along with everyone else? In other words, do I compromise on what is truth, what is right in the sight of God? We can blend in with the world, or we can do like Daniel and the Hebrew boys. We can depend on God. We can just stand for the truth. We can, we can believe His word over the words of others. I, I know that many years ago now, and it's, it's been quite a few years ago, God allowed me to to pastor the first church that I ever pastored. And I remember when uh, God began to deal with me about pastoring and, and then God opened the door and gave me peace about going to that church and pastoring that first church. And I was so excited about it, I could still remember it just like it was yesterday. And I went there for one reason. And it's the same reason that I came to this church. And that was to be a trumpet for the truth. To share the truth of the Word of God. I was so excited when I went there. And of course, you know, you, you know it's kind of like buying an older automobile. You never really know what you're getting when you buy it. And so I got there and I was very excited, and I, I began to settle in. And I remember that as, as time went on, and it wasn't a long time, that I started to notice little comments from some of the members, some members that had been there for a long time. We started having some conversations. And I remember some very interesting conversations. There were, I think if I remember right, there were three deacons at the church. <clears throat> and the man that they looked to as what, you would, what they referred to as the head deacon, and there's really no head deacon in the Bible, but this was the man that, that the entire church looked to. He uh, was teaching in the church, and as he was teaching, he was using a version of the Bible that was not the version of the Bible that actually not only was the version that the church said that they adhered to, that they believed was the Word of God, but it was also the version that was in their constitution and bylaws that this is the only version of the Bible that this church uses, yet this deacon chose to, to use a totally different version while he was teaching at the church. And so I guess I didn't know any better. I was in my office one day, and the church was a country church. 
and you had to go out of your way to come to the church. The closest neighbor to the church was a half a mile away. And so all, all of a sudden I heard this noise and I, I heard a car stop and then I heard the door open and, and it was this deacon. I was 35, he was 70. He walked in and he came to my office door that was open and he said, uh, can I talk to you? And in, in all the time that I was there, and, and again, you could take this however you want, I've never sought a position but the entire time that I was there, he never one time called me pastor. Called me, called me by my last name. And he, he came in, he said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, well, that's interesting. I'd like to talk with you. I said, I've just been praying for an opportunity. And I says, I guess it's here. And so he came in and sat down. He was there in my office for seven hours. We talked about a lot of things that day. <clears throat> I'll spare you all the gory details, but I asked him in my office face to face, and I was trying to be as respectful as I could. I said, can I ask you a question? I said, do you believe that God's word is inerrant? Inerrant. And his answer, a deacon, he said, absolutely not. I was really taken. I thought, well, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he was more of a country guy, and I thought maybe he doesn't know the word. So I, I thought, well, I'll rephrase it. So I said to him, I said, can I ask you, well, let me ask you this question. So do you believe the Bible has errors in it? I just asked him the same question. And his answer, absolutely. We got a problem. We got a man who is in a position of authority that the church is looking to that doesn't believe that God's word is without error. I had a lengthy conversation with that man, and I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time, I honestly didn't know what to say. I'd never crossed. I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations with somebody, especially somebody in that man's position, which honestly he should have never been in that position. But there's a lot of people out there like him that believe that the Bible has errors in it. I hope that you're not one of them. Because, you know, if there's one error, guess what? There can be two. See, you either believe that God's word is all true or you don't. From that moment on began this time in my life just like Daniel. As I was thinking about the message tonight, I wasn't really thinking that I was a Daniel, a modern day Daniel. I didn't, I wasn't a captive. But I remember things unfolding in my life just like they did for Daniel in his day. 
I remember that this deacon and another deacon, one, one was 71, was 68 years old. I remember they used to do something where they would have their business meetings and they would have the men meet and they would discuss the, the affairs of the church, the business of the church. And, and in that time, it, there were things that they would cover and then they would bring that before the church. And uh, I was in one of those meetings one time, I think it was about six months in as a pastor. And I was in that meeting, there was about 14 guys there and that one man turned to me and he started to say something to me and then he stopped. And I looked at him because I knew what he was starting to say. And I said, uh, why don't you finish what you were gonna say? And he says, well, nah, he says. And I go, no, I think it would be good for these men to hear what you're, you're wanting to say to the pastor of the church. And so he did. He proceeded to tell me, I'm not making this up. He proceeded to tell me what I was supposed to preach how long I was supposed to preach. And he told me that I wasn't sharing the gospel as much as I should. And I stood there, I was, I was amazed. I, was, I literally was in awe. And I looked at that man in front of those other 13 men and I said to those other men, I said, I just want to tell the rest of you men in, in the presence of this man that I'm marking this man. Because this man has just stepped over what the Bible considers to be guidelines of authority. What he just said is outside the parameters of anyone. And I said, I'm not saying this because I'm someone. The truth is, I'm no one. Well, he started to try to hem-haul around a little bit. That meeting ended. It was a fun meeting. Wish you, wish you could have been there. Time went on, and, and they continued. Because I would not compromise, because I would not do what they wanted to do. And by the way, if you look in the Bible, there are a couple words. One is the word pastor or shepherd. There's another word that's called hireling. You know what it means when you get hired, right? A hireling is somebody that you pay to preach. Can I tell you, I didn't come here for the money. I came here because of God's call. You can ask the deacons and you can ask Brother Kenny. I didn't even ask how much they pay the pastor here before I came. Never have, never will. So as time went on, these people decided, well, if he's not going to do what we want, eat the portion of the king's meat, 
then we're going to make his life miserable. And so they tried. They literally tried. And then I remember the Sunday night that I was, I came in and we lived just down the way from the church. I came in, we had uh, literally kind of sheltered. I know one of my daughters is in here tonight. We'd sheltered our kids from all this nonsense. That's what it was, nonsense. It was sad because what happens when people decide that they're going to stand against the truth you know what happens to the work of God? It halts. Nobody was getting saved. The spirit in the church was awful. And uh, I came to church. I came in the, the bottom of the, the building. I came up the steps, my office. I came in the auditorium. I was walking around Sunday night church. And uh, one of my men, and I, I loved our members there. They were, they were just real folks. Brother Roger came up to me. Brother Roger was, was a man that used to, it's kind of neat, he used to be the bus captain at the church I was saved at. And then years later, God led me to the church. And while, after I accepted the call to pastor the church, I started getting familiar with the members. And there's Brother Roger. And I said, do you go to church here? And he goes, yeah. And so now he was my bus captain. Now I'm his pastor. Every church service, he showed up in bib overalls. Roger came up to me right before the Sunday night service. And he says, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'd never seen him like that. He was all up in a lather. I said, uh, Roger, what's the matter? There's some people standing outside with a clipboard trying to get people to sign a petition. I said, for what? He says, it says right on top of that clipboard to impeach the pastor. And I said, it says what? And he goes, you heard me. It says impeach the pastor. And I said, Roger, I said, I wouldn't really worry about it. He goes, you ain't going to do anything. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think it would be good if the pastor of the church went outside and got in a scuffle with somebody right before church as people were coming in for the service? Do you think that would be good? And he goes, well, probably not. And then he looks at me and he goes, you want me to go take care of them? <laughs> and you know, I'll be honest in my heart. I thought to myself, yes. But I thought, how sad. I remember the night that they brought it to a vote. They had no biblical grounds. I'm only telling this story as an illustration. By the way, everything I'm telling you is true. They had no biblical grounds. I can still remember. I was sitting on the platform right here. The platform didn't have steps. I think it had one step. There was a center aisle and just two rows of chairs. It was a country church. Right there on the second row from the aisle was a man by the name of Terry that was a faithful man in our church. He was a fireman. 
And as the, as the service ended, and I, by the way, I knew they were going to have this meeting. I came to church knowing they were going to have this meeting. I preached knowing that when I gave the invitation and the invitation ended, they were going to have this meeting. I finished the message. I went over and sat in that chair. And the deacon got up and came to the platform and stood behind the pulpit. And began to tell the whole church that they were going to take a vote and there would be no discussion. Yeah, I wish I'd have had Brother Gilbert in my church. <laughs> Terry, that was sitting right here, Terry was sitting right here. Terry raised his hand and he says, excuse me. He says, that's my pastor. And he says, there has been no discussion about this. Matter of fact, I don't even know why you're bringing this to a vote. We love our pastor. And this deacon, who does not believe that God's word is inerrant, said... I already said there will be no discussion. About that time, I didn't have a Gerald Gilbert, but I did have a Sister Rose, who could have easily been your sister. <laughs> Sitting right back there on the, about three or four rows from the back, right on the outside, and she stood up. You did not tell Sister Rose anything. And she says, we will not do this. We will talk about this. We will pray about this. And this man, deacon, standing in the pulpit said, now, Sister Rose, you either sit down or we have appointed, I'm, I'm telling you, God is my witness, we have appointed bouncers <laughs> to remove anyone that will not just sit quietly and take the vote I thought are we in a church or a bar I, I'm just I, I'm just telling you folks this happened at an independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist church in 1999 she finally sat down And one of the ladies, who was the granddaughter of this deacon, got up and she had the, the, the ballots to vote the pastor out. She starts to pass them out, <clears throat> and as she's walking by, I'm sitting six feet from her, and, she, and I said to her as she's walking by, I said, can I have one of those? Now, you do know that I'm a member of this church, right? So anything we vote on in this church, I don't have the final say. I just have one vote. My vote's the same as any of yours. I said, can I have one of those? And she looked at her grandpa. She said, should I give him one? And he, this is what he said. Go ahead and give him one. We won't count it anyway. So she handed me one, she passed them out, and about that time, my little sweet wife was sitting down here on the front row. 
she raised her hand. And he looked down, this deacon looked down there and saw my wife's hand up. And he said, now, Sister Joy, I already told you we are not going to have any discussion. And my wife, who really doesn't speak up, she said, can we at least pray? And here's what this man said. The time for prayer is over. Now, do, do you get it? Do you get the length that people will go through? It wasn't about me. It was about what those people that were running that church, what they wanted or what they didn't want. Because I can tell you that I made a lot of mistakes while I was there, but I'll tell you this, I preached the same truth that I'm preaching here. I was a little younger, greener behind the ears. They took the vote. I thought to myself, it doesn't matter because they've rigged everything. It's The vote's going to go. I already know. I had taken counsel from about six seasoned pastors for a couple weeks, told them everything. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on because I need to hear sound counsel. And everyone, every one of their counsel was almost identical. And every one of them told me, if they take a vote, you know, it's, you might as well start packing your bags. They took the vote and I thought, well, you know, there was two guys that counted it. And I remember Ray J was one that counted it. And Ray J, I loved him. He was, he was a, he was a great man. And then, and then the, the man that was standing outside with the clipboard was the other man that, that counted. They came back in and I remember walking through the back door and I remember Ray J, this is what he looked like when he walked in the door. And uh, the other guy, his name was Mark. He wouldn't even look up. They came up and they handed the, the count to the, the deacon standing there. And he read it and the vote actually went in favor of me staying by two people. And I know it wasn't one of my votes because they didn't count mine. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a difficult time for me. But you know, I can tell you this, I'm where I am today because of the test that God took us through. My wife is where she is today because of the test that God sent her through. My wife lived in the Psalms. It took us a while to heal. You know about that, Brother Joe. Many of you have been through that. It hurts. That's, that's why we have to stand for the truth. I, I have four wonderful daughters. And, and honestly, I'm so proud of my kids because they all love God. They've seen what their parents, listen, it wasn't about their parents, it was the God of their parents. You're, you're never going to regret staying with the truth. 
trusting God, obeying his word. I, I wish I had the time to tell you, I'll, I'll share this with you. We, we, have, we ended up leaving there. And uh, I prayed about staying, but the Lord wouldn't give me peace about staying. And there was a bunch of folks and they said, you know, Pastor, we want to meet with you before you, you guys move and leave. And I said, okay. And so we did. We agreed to have breakfast with some folks. And to be honest with you, I'm not making it up. It, it reminded me in the book of Acts when Paul met with the Ephesian elders. I mean, there was so much crying and tears and hugging and, and, and people, people giving us things and cards and whatever. It was, it was the sweetest time. And I'll never forget, and, and I'm just going to relay this as she relayed it, and it's not about me, but I just thought it was neat. Never forgot it. But her name was Cardine, and her husband's name was Jim, and he couldn't hardly see. He had lost most of his regular eyesight. And, but if you asked Jim, he, he'd tell you he could see. You know, he just hadn't come to grips with it. And Cardine said to me, she goes, you can't leave. And I said, well, Sister Cardine, I said, uh, God's, God's given me peace. I said, we'd love to stay. And she said to me, she said, but you can't leave. She said, you were our Moses. And I said, what? I said, I've been called a lot of things, but I've never been called Moses. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, for 50 years, I've attended this church. I have a cemetery plot behind the church. She said, for 50 years, we've had pastor after pastor, but you're the first one that's told us the truth and stood for it. She said, you led us out. And I thought, Phew. A couple of those pastors that I had been getting counsel from, one of them called me, and he said to me, he goes, can I ask you how the vote went? And I told him, and he said, yep. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, I can't stay. I said, God wants me to go. And he said, uh, can I ask you one question? I said, sure, anything. And he said, what are you going to do about those people? I said, what people? He said, all those people that call you pastor. He said, if you leave, what are they going to do? He said, they need a shepherd. If you leave, they're not going to have anybody to lead them in the truth. And, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel I was being selfish, but to be honest, it was pretty easy to be thinking about my family and about me and about our next step, and I never thought about that. And so I said to him, I said, you know, you're right. And when I met with those folks, I directed them to another church that was about 15 minutes away. And God providentially took me from Missouri to California. And then God let me travel for that ministry in California and actually led me to that little bitty town 
of Sullivan, Missouri to that church that I led those people to. And I pulled up and I thought, this is, this is awesome. And I walked in the door and you know what? Those people that I had the joy of pastoring were teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir, running bus routes, ushering, and being faithful in that church. And I'm going to tell you something. It was just like I stood in the back, and I, I just, I've never been a crier, but I just wanted to shed some tears. And there was a big, tall, skinny guy. If he would have wore a pinstripe suit, his suit would have had one stripe in it. He was like six foot eight, and he's skinny, tall. And he, I, he saw me, and he made a beeline across the auditorium. And the way he was coming at me, I thought he was going to come over and punch me. And I remember Brother Lonnie, he was a truck driver. He never showed any emotion when we were there. And he came up to me, and he threw his arms around me. And he's bawling like a baby. And here's what he's saying to me. Oh, pastor, please forgive me. I did not know what I was doing. Those people lied, and I had no idea. And I said to him, I said, Lonnie, I said, you're okay with me. I said, as a matter of fact, I don't have any, anything in my heart towards those that did what they did because God's given me peace about it. And I truly can say that to this day. I don't keep that in my memory to think about all the bad things that we went through. I keep that in my memory, just like Daniel never forgot standing in front of that king, saying, I believe I'll say no thank you. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some tests that are going to be, they're going to be tough. But the right thing is always to have a faith that pleases God. And if you have a faith that pleases God, you're going to have a favor from God. And you'll finish the way God wants you to finish. I don't know if that helps you. It helped me just talk about it again. Because every time I think about it, I can see God's hand through the whole thing. And listen, I don't know what, I don't know what the days ahead will hold for all of us. But I'll tell you this, I know there's going to be some more tests. And I know with God's help, we can pass them. I hope that was a blessing to some of you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Pray that you would continue to use us. May your will be done in our lives. Lord, we want your hand of blessing on our lives, on this church. Lord, help us to be men and women of the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.